Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, Andrea here. I hope you're doing amazing. I just wanted to let you know that I am uploading a wonderful book summary. Let's face it, we cannot always find the time to read all these amazing books that could help us in so many ways. So if you didn't know, I do have another podcast called Live Life Happy, and that podcast is geared towards highlighting and summarizing key books that will really help us in terms of our well-being as well as so we can live life happy. Er. So I just thought I would include this one here because this book is called Resilient and it is such a great book that I thought it might really help so many people who struggle with loving someone with an addiction and uh, just to help take back your power. So I wanted to provide it for you here. So I hope you enjoy. Hey there, Andrea here. I'm so excited because I highlighted another amazing book. Now I know I say that all the time, but This one is really close because I love the idea of resilience and I love the idea of being resilient and figuring out strategies and actionable nuggets that can actually help you bounce back better. And so, um, as some of you know, I did go through a struggle where I loved someone with an addiction and that was one of the hardest things that I went through. And actually I need to draw on all my resiliency skills and all my positive psychology in order to be resilient through that big challenge. Now let's face it. We are not immune to struggle, challenge, obstacles, you know, upset and, and even trauma. Sometimes things are going to happen in our life. It's not going to be all sunshine and butterflies, as I always say, but that's why it's so important. That's why we love these books, right? Because they help us, they provide us with knowledge, research, experience. um, And I'm so grateful and thankful for all the authors. So this book by Rick Hansen is so fantastic. It's called Resilient, How to Grow an Unshakable Core of Calm, Strength, and happiness. Now, I always recommend that if something sparks your interest to purchase the book and support the author, because they put so much love, attention, research, and knowledge and training into their books. And um, obviously that this is just a summary. This is just a highlight of the book. So if something does spark your interest, I do highly recommend to purchase the book and support the author. All right, so let's jump in. So these days, it is hard to count on the world outside, as we know, um, that it can be unpredictable and challenging at times, to say the least. 
And so it is vital to grow strength inside, strength such as grit, such as gratitude and compassion. And the key, these are basically the keys to resilience and lasting well-being. And I am so excited because we are going to jump in. And if you're ready to feel less anxious, less irritated, less disappointment and frustration, and even that feeling of loneliness, hurt or resentment, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to figure out and we're going to find out through his book um, that we're ready to grow. We're ready to grow our strengths. We're ready to become more resilient. So in his book, Resilient, Rick Hansen, PhD, does teach us these skills of resilience using a blend of, he uses neuroscience, mindfulness. He uses positive psychology, which you know, I love, love, love. And uh, Hansen really teaches us how to develop the psychological resource of resilience in a step-by-step manner. So he walk, it's like walking on a path. He takes us through this path. So to be resilient, we need to meet basic needs. And these basic needs are safety, satisfaction, and connection. So now that you know deserves to be repeated, and we'll repeat it a lot through this whole entire episode, is that think about that, right? In order to be resilient, we need to feel safe. We need to feel satisfied in our life and we need to feel human connections. We need to feel connected to others and not alone. And I say that a lot, like we're not alone in this. There's a common humanity in everything that we go through. And so resilience is a resource that we can grow, that we can cultivate, that we can actually get good at. So resilience, knowing that we can grow it, um, it's amazing. So as long as we meet these basic needs, and as long as we do things to really build up those basic needs of safety, satisfaction, and connection, then we're going to be more resilient. So we're going to go through a whole bunch of things that can actually help meet these basic needs of safety, satisfaction, and connection. So these resources, we'll look at them as resources. We're building our resources in order to feel more safe, to feel more satisfaction in our lives and also to feel better connections. So let's jump in. So building the resource of resilience through, you ready? We're going to talk about compassion, mindfulness, and learning. So we're going to build the resource of resilience through compassion. Compassion is a wonderful, warm-hearted concern for the suffering of others. Now, I don't know if you've read the book, Fierce Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. Fantastic book. She also wrote a book on self-compassion and is just a wonderful resource. And she is the go-to person and everything to study about self-compassion. And so we know that self-compassion and compassion is one of the elements that really do make us resilient, that make us feel well. And that is that kind regard that we can offer ourselves like we would offer other people in the world. So turning and easing, taking comfort and easing the suffering. And some of the tips within that is that it's just a warm hearted concern for the suffering of others, as well as our own suffering and trying to ease that suffering. Um, and compassion is a wonderful way that you can give yourself and others. Um, it provides us with inner strength and it really does help us to develop and become more resilient. So recognizing the common humanity, recognizing um, being kind to ourselves, being mindful of the emotions and understanding 
you know, understanding your emotions. So compassion, as you can see, is one of the tools or the resources for, for resilience. Now there's many more, but that is the first one we'd start. So some of the tips is that he suggests within his book is getting on your own side so you can bring caring to your pain. Um, be with yourself, be good to yourself, offer kindness and support, even if you have to give yourself a big hug. I know it feels weird at first. Um, and really developing that and also having more enjoyable moments, having moments where, you know, you can lower your stress, do things to make you feel connected to other, reach out to friends, recognize that you are a part of a common humanity. We're all struggling sometimes. And um, this compassion really encourages us to reach out to others as well as to be there for others and, um, and honoring where you're at. So having more enjoyable enjoyable moments to lower your stress. Self-care is really important because that's giving yourself compassion and love and caring regard. And um, yeah, so compassion builds confidence and it builds resilience. And compassion also makes us feel, as you can know, safe. It makes us feel safe. It makes us feel more satisfied. It makes us feel connected to others. So you can see how that's one of the resources of resilience. Now, he also talks about mindfulness and how mindfulness is being aware of obviously like our brain shapes us. So having mindfulness is kind of recognizing uh, it allows us to determine what we're resting our attention on um, and what we what we're resting our attentions on on a regular basis actually affects us. Right. It actually shapes our brain or shapes our world, what we're focused on. So we can let our brain naturally search for anything that may be potentially wrong or threatening in our life. And, and in positive psychology, it's called the negativity bias. Our brain is actually wired to notice the negative things in our environment in order to keep us safe. So it's naturally wired that way. So we're searching for potential wrong or danger or threat. So using your mind to decrease what is painful and increase what is enjoyable. So we have the power to do that. We can focus more on things that are joyful and that actually are enjoyable. And we can decrease focusing on things that are more painful. And now it's not pretending bad things don't happen, right? It's about recognizing that our basic three needs are safety, satisfaction, and connection. So we naturally, if we can avoid harm and approach reward or approach things that make us feel good, then we're meeting those basic needs more likely. So he calls, um, Rick Hansen in his book calls it the green zone or the responsive zone or responsive mode where we're not in a stress response. We're not in the, ne the negativity bias, looking for things that could be threatening or dangerous. Um, we're aware of them, of course, but when we're stressed in the reactive mode, our brain naturally has that negativity bias and it acts like Velcro. It's like we Velcro the bad stuff and we Teflon or slip away the good stuff. So negative things have, tend to have a stickiness by default. So it's really up when we're in the stress response, right? We're, we call it amygdala hijack. The stress part of your brain takes over. So mindfulness really helps us to be aware and it encourages us to 
kind of step back from the emotion of things and see things and be able to respond instead of react, staying calm and acknowledging emotions and, and trying to focus on resting your brain on things that actually make you feel better. Focusing on resting your brain on things that bring positive emotions. So that's a really wonderful tool. The more we can practice this mindfulness, you know, mindfulness is so much more than just, you know, meditating and, uh, you know, doing yoga. It's about just being mindful of what's going on up here in your brain and noticing where your brain and where your mind is resting. Um, And so we can become more aware and um, what we're focusing our attention on, right? So using mindfulness to guide your focus. And I remember one of the other books that I read, it's like changing the channel. We can literally change the channel on our mind. (laughs) So if we're going down that, you know, one channel, it's like, oh, I'm going to change it to the beauty channel, the nature channel, the love channel, the gratitude channel. So you can literally change the channel. All right. So another thing that's going to build our resource of resilience is this idea of learning or having a learning sort of growth mindset. Um, So we, we acquire mental resources and resilience through learning. So creating installments of new neurological pathways or new ways of doing things, new ways of thinking, we can, we can determine, like we can draw on our strengths, right? So we keep learning and growing and we can draw on those inner strengths. We adopt this mindset of learning and growing and that, yeah, it's like, instead of thinking, oh my God, my life is terrible. This is horrible. It's never going to be the same anymore. Fixed mindset, right? Whereas if we go, it's like, okay, well, hmm, I'm wondering if I can, you know, what I can learn from this or how can I make this better or what's another option for me here? It's like learning and adopting this mindset of learning and growing is really key to resilience. It's like stepping up and realizing, okay, what can I do um, to what, like there's power in this learning, right? Creating new neural pathways that feel good, right? We can decide how we want to you know, program our thinking. It's up to us. All right. We can further develop resilience um, with the acronym. He uses the acronym in his book, HEAL. And I love the way he put it in his book. So HEAL is basically have a positive experience, enrich it, absorb it into your body, like savor it and notice where you feel this positive experience, how you're experiencing it. And then he does take it one step further too. And the L is optional is link it. So link it to a, to negative material or link it to your ability to grow and learn and possibilities. So that acronym HEAL kind of says, have a positive experience, try to m- encourage those happening in your life enrich it. So really drag it out, make it bigger, make it more likely to happen. Um, and then absorb it, take it in, savor it, ruminate about it, and then link it to, you know, maybe something that is challenging in your life or something that, you know, that you could learn and grow from. And so this really helps to grow our mental resources. It really helps us in so many ways. Like how can, how can, you know, this struggle help us. So learning is really, really important. How can I grow from this? Um, and, and focusing just on that, directing where we're focusing on, on learning and growth kind of really does make us go from victim to victor. All right. So some of the tips that he has in his book is um, let go of any 
anything negative and rest your mind on positive material. And so choosing where you rest your mind and practice staying there as long as you can, like milk it, try to stay there as long as you can. Another thing you can do is identify your inner strengths. Talk about your strengths. Talk about when you were at your best. Talk about when you're proud of yourself. Think about when you're proud of yourself. Think about your inner strengths and, and recognize that, okay, how did I handle that challenge in the past? And what am I proud of? How can I take those strengths and apply it right now to the challenge that I'm in? So thinking about a time when you're proud of those strengths really in the past, you can, you can take those skills and apply it to your current struggle. And that's powerful. That makes us more resilient. So learning how to leverage your strengths and as well, um, practice continued mental programming. So recognizing about how, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Will really help build that mental resource, that resource of resilience. Okay, so the next section is grit, gratitude, and confidence. So building the resource of resilience using grit, gratitude, and confidence. Let's talk about grit. Obviously, I love Angela Duckworth's work on grit, um, but in this book, he does talk about grit, and he says that grit is the tough resourcefulness. It's that fierce energy that we have. It's about having passion and perseverance over time. And so grit, getting grittier, can actually help us be more resilient. So it's about looking at what we can do. What can I do in this situation? Instead of thinking, oh my God, what I, uh, we, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. It's going in and thinking, how can I get grittier? How can I challenge? How can I show up in this challenging situation or relationship and just you know get grittier? So sometimes it's, science has shown that just a few experiences of feeling trapped of feeling powerless, of feeling defeated altogether can lead to what's called learned helplessness. And we don't want that. That undermines your coping. It undermines your resilience. It undermines your healing. So grit is that wonderful component that can make you feel hopeful. And so what we want to do is sometimes when we feel hopeless, we've lost sight of that grit. So we want to tap into your grit and we want to, you know, that mental toughness. So mental health um, is framed sometimes as suppressing our primal nature, but fierce instinct can make people more resilient. So we have this ability to be fierce and it can make us more resilient, right? So tapping into that grit, when you've been knocked down, sometimes that, that feist, that power, that anger, that can make you grittier. And that is your resourcefulness that can actually make you more resilient. So, um, so we naturally have grit. Tapping into your tough resourcefulness will build your resilience. So here are some of the tips that he had in his book too. So know that you can tend to, you tend to cause, uh, sorry, knowing that you can tend to ca causes or situations, but you can't control them. Okay, so there you go. I don't know why I had troubles with that one. I have like my bullet points here, but we can tend to, um, things that are going on to our life, but we can't control the outcome. And this is really important to take that on because all we have control over is ourselves. We don't have full control over our environment, our circumstances. We don't have control over other people, just ourselves. So just recognizing that bit can make us grittier. What can I do, right? Instead of focusing, well, I could do that, but really I can't because it won't have, you know, so the idea is to 
uh, focusing on those on those things that you can do. So knowing that you can draw on your grit and that detachment is really important, detached from the outcome. Uh, he also talks about taking responsibility for what you can be responsible for what you are responsible for instead of taking on other people. Um, and so grit is detaching from those results, right? Um, so do what you can do. And he also talks again about using that HEAL acronym, such as have a positive experience, enrich it, absorb it, and link it to negative or think how can this help me? What can I do? Right? Get gritty about it. What can I do? And using grit to help you tap into your resourcefulness um, instead of putting things off, right? Instead of sitting back and kind of watching things happen, what can you do? Grit will make you more resourceful. Okay. The other amazing thing that we can do is practice gratitude. Gratitude makes us more resilient, right? When we feel, when we seek to feel or we seek to have a better future for ourselves, um, then it's it, we feel better, right? It's often stressful in the present moment, right? But we don't have to think that we're going to be happy when sometime in the future. It makes us more resilient when we can tap into happiness now, when we can tap into joyful, positive emotions right now. And the good news is, regardless of what's going on in our world, we have that capacity to tap into positive emotions in the moment. And so all that, all that requires us or all that we need to do rather is practice gratitude. Gratitude is a joy, positive emotion is a joyful emotion. It feels good. Gratitude is an emotion, a positive emotion. And what it does is it really does help us to have positive emotions and it's an upward spiral. We can we can tap into it right now. So what is gratitude? It's basically giving thanks for what is beneficial, what is good in your life, right? You can still see what is harmful. You can still see what's challenging, but it's choosing to find pleasure in this moment. It's, and just, it's not about dismissing and forgetting about it, but it allows us to be present in the moment and it can lower our stress. It can really encourage us to disengage from what's upsetting us. It gives us a moment of making that emotion of joy, pleasure, happiness, gratitude, and we, makes it last longer. So gratitude um, really is a wonderful tool that can help milk those positive moments that can really help us feel better in the present moment that we're in positive emotions broaden your mind and help you so you can make better decisions so you can think more logically so you can show up in a creative way and so positive psychology shows that too and science has confirmed that when we're in a more positive state or positive emotions we are more creative we have better memory we have more problem solving capabilities. And as you can tell, that's going to make us more resilient. All right. So some of the tips here is to experience your gratitude as often as you can and, and take notice of your success. Take notice of the good things in your day. Take notice of things that make you feel good, ruminate, savor them and really draw it out. Be happy for the happiness of others. I love this one. I get so excited when someone is like, you know, they have this book topic that they want. Cause I'm also a book doula. I help people painlessly give birth to books and write them and publish them. 
them. And when they have a topic that is so exciting or when their book goes to number one bestseller, I am literally as happy for them as they are for themselves. And so that I milk it out. It feels so good. So we can tap into the happiness that we feel for others as well. That's a wonderful way to bring out this motion of gratitude and appreciation and positive emotion. So Another thing you can do is keep a gratitude log going. So keep, you know, I'm so grateful for this and why instead of doing all the same ones all the time, like my house, my home, my car, it's like, okay, no, no, no. Come up with some new ones. Like I'm so grateful that there's some leaves still on the tree in this tree in front of my house. And um, the reason I love it is because when I look out, I really savor the beautiful brightness of that yellow color reminds me of the sunshine. It reminds me of brightness and brighter days and this and that. And you can see where I'm going with that, the power of gratitude. All right. So what's good in the positive psychology world? Whenever we meet for meetings, it's like we always ask each other, what's good? It's not that we're pretending bad things don't happen. It's just that's what we're choosing to rest our attention on. And that makes us more resilient. Okay, so another element is confidence, right? Um, so we feel safe and secure when others are dependably helpful and caring. So we can be helpful and caring to others, but others are helpful and caring to us as well. Makes us feel more confident and makes us feel safer and secure. So um, if we feel rejected or we feel, you know, insecure, or we're feeling, you know, it's going to make us feel less resilient. So no matter what our past is, no matter what relationships you've been in, no matter what's happened, we can still find the capability to be secure inside ourselves, regardless of what's going on out here. We have that capacity. So looking for opportunities that you feel cared for, looking for times that you do feel cared for, make yourself feel cared for, um, look for times to love and experience yourself, tap into yourself, tap into ways that make you feel safe, that make you feel cared for, that make you feel calm. And that'll boost your confidence. That'll make you feel safe. Um, so when you're faced with a challenge, don't, you know, add what's called the second wave. So, you know, you have the wave of the challenge, but then sometimes we're like, oh my God, I hope this doesn't happen again. And, blah, 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 and we go on this tangent. tangent. Um, and so we want to make sure that we don't attack ourselves with the inner critic and making ourselves feel worse about the situation than it actually already feels. And so this idea is like figuring out ways that you can, um, disengage from those feelings and disengage from making things worse, from worry, from the inner critic, from the second dart, so to speak, the second wave. Um, it's common to erode our self-worth. It's common to, you know, make things harder than they are. And that's common and human, um, but we want to decrease that a little bit. So we don't erode all our confidence. We want to feel safe and secure. So how are you going to do that? How can you do that? And, and so you can boost up your resilience. What's going to make you feel more secure? What's going to make you feel safer? And um, tapping into that inner nurturer and that fierce energy as well and push back against that inner critic. It's like, no, how dare you say that? I'm actually amazing. <laughs> um, so keep seeing your value, tapping into your value. One way to do that too doing with my clients is assessing your strengths, tapping into your strengths and seeing 
um, even asking a friend or family or someone that loves you, um, what do they admire about you? You have so much value to bring this world. And so tap back into that confidence, your self-worth, your value. You can really feel and be more resilient. You can see how that's important, right? Okay, we're near the home stretch of this. So building resource, the resource of resilience through, you ready? The next three, calm, motivation, and intimacy. So we're gonna talk about each one of them. So calm, motivation, intimacy, those will all help build our resilience. And so calm is about the nervous system. So we wanna keep it balanced. So our nervous system is really important. We have what's called the rest and digest part of the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system. And then we have the fight or flight or fight, freeze, sympathetic branch that revs us up. So we wanna make sure that we're not chronically in that sympathetic nervous system and the stress response, which is very common, but we don't function well there. We're not as resilient when we're there. We're not as um, problem, you know, solution focused oriented, right? We go in when we're in the stress response, we're looking at the problem, we're stressed about it, we're in the stress response, we have amygdala hijack, our brain can't function as well. And we have all these stress hormones running through our bodies. So calm is actually one of the things that we can do to help boost our resilience. So making sure that we're activating this parasympathetic part of our nervous system, right? Um, relaxation and meditation engage this parasympathetic nervous system. The calming part makes us feel safe. It makes us feel secure. And when we're in the stress response, we react to and we exaggerate the threats inappropriately sometimes. And we're on the edge. We're like, you know, and we're not responding well to our environment. So we really want to activate this calmness. So think of ways that you can feel safe, as safe as you can, how you can calm yourself down, how you can control anger, um, process anger, right? Or use it for your fierceness to take action in your environment. Um, of course, sometimes we want to create a buffer around that so we're not in the stress part of anger. Um, and then, so the idea here is it's really, you can be more powerful and assertive by being angry, right? Um, but we want to make sure that anger isn't getting the best of you. So we want to tap into that from a place will calm down so you can logically look at what it is that's going on. So you can articulate your emotions so you can process what needs to be done. What can you do, right? So calmness is almost like a buffer. It makes us feel safe. It makes us feel calm. It allows us to respond to our environment instead of react. So being calm actually makes us more resilient. All right. So then this the whole idea of motivation, right? So resilient people are also able to pursue opportunities. So resilience is about bouncing back from adversity, but it's also about pushing towards your goals, pushing towards doing things for yourself so you can show up and just be the best version of yourself. So you can be you at your best. So resilience is about taking initiative to goal set, to follow your goals, um, to think about the things that you would like to have happen in your life, right? 
And, and I love, he talks in his book about this idea of wanting versus liking. So I want this, but he says that wanting kind of comes from a sense of insistence or compulsion and that can be stressful. And of course we want to stay calm. We want to feel safe. We want to feel secure and connected. And so liking, I would like to do this has a different and more powerful approach. So he talks about taking in experiences as being satisfied is satisfaction in, in meeting goals and moving closer towards the things that you want in life and the person that you want to be um, will make us more resilient. It makes us feel good, right? And um, the idea is instead of demanding this change, it's making slow baby steps towards that. I'd like this. I would like to um, practice yoga more, or I'd like to um, be calmer in my interactions with people. And right, so stress and pressure is the thief of resilience. So this idea here is enjoy the pleasures of your ambitions, enjoy the pleasures of many achievements, of many successes, um, and keep your emotions positive, right? And in that way, you'll stay in what he called the green zone or responsive zone instead of the red reactive zone. So some of his tips were like, keep looking for ways to experience positive emotions. Like I like that versus I want that. Um, he talks about dopamine activity in our brain. It's fundamental to our motivation circuit. So making sure that when we have things that reward us, even just the feeling that I have personally after I practice yoga, I feel so good. So when I drive home, I really enjoy the drinking my fresh water and, and notice, and I have natural dopamine increase after I practice yoga. So it really activates this idea of motivation. It's, it, it makes you want to go back and do more yoga. So find those things that are going to feed you in such a positive way um, that naturally make you motivated to go do it again. So tapping into that resilience of and that ability to pursue opportunities for you will actually make you more resilient, right? And try not to be too hard on yourself. Stay motivated, use your guidance, right? System instead of your critical system. And, uh, and that'll help us to be more resilient. Okay, so the last part or this section is so great because it's intimacy. So intimacy exists in all relationships. It doesn't just has to be the romantic ones. And so intimacy feeds our basic needs for safety, satisfaction, and connection. So it's really important. So you want to have a strong, in order to have a strong me, we need to also have a we, right? So other people matter. And so you want to feel, although you want to feel like you have autonomy, personal autonomy, where you can do things in your world. You also want to have boundaries so people don't cross your boundaries. But what you also want to recognize is that compassion and reaching out to people and having connections with others is really important. That's where a lot of compassion will come towards you as well as kindness. And also it taps us into our strengths. Sometimes we need that best friend to tell us and remind us about our strengths, about what it is that we do well, about what it is, you know, that we're, how we show up. And so, um, it's important to make us feel like we're not alone, how we have a support system. And that will, this idea of intimacy will increase our resilience, right? So when you feel lost, uh, it's really important to reach out to your best friend, reach out to a support group, hire a coach or whatever it is that's going to help you uh, tap into your resources will make you more resilient when you don't feel like you're alone. Good. 
All right. So yes, other people, they offer support and they make us feel good too. Even when we're offering them support, it goes both ways. We're social creatures and intimacy is an essential ingredient for resilience. Okay, so we're going to keep going. We're going to talk about the resource of resilience, building it with courage, aspirations, and generosity. So when we talk about courage, we talk about open, authentic communication in relationships, right? That's going to make us more resilient. When we practice standing up for ourselves, when we have the courage to show up and we have the courage to get out into the world, and sometimes we need the courage to ask for help, that will make us more resilient. So try focusing on sharing experiences with others and building connections instead of solving problems. So have the courage to start new relationships, to reach out to people and, um, and, and benefit from that, right? And trying to not be harsh and judgmental, but rather be curious and observing of people and more tolerant. So trying to focus on you know, being open and, and um, being kind to people instead of making demands and requests and, and, and really shrinking relationships. I love this part, shrink relationships to the size and shape that feels safe for you. So having the courage to admit when sometimes a relationship isn't serving you, maybe you need to shrink it. Um, and then also expand the ones that, you know, just make you feel so good and feel supported and safe and connected. All right. So let's talk about aspirations. So when we're young, we have hopes. We've got dreams for life that we'd really love to have. Sometimes we lose those aspirations. So tapping into a future that feels and th you think that is going to be wonderful and fulfilling, like in love and work and relationships and play, um, we need to have that sweet combination of what we enjoy, what we're talented at, and what we care about. And so this idea is having aspirations that combine those things will make us more resilient. So we'll feel better, we'll be more resilient if we're combining things that make us feel, you know, that we enjoy, that we're maybe good at, that we're talented at, or that we care about. So tapping into your values, what it is that you value, what is it that you um, are good at, um, and what do you care about? So really tapping into that makes you more resilient. So some of his tips were like aim high um, and also being at peace with the end results. He talks about adopting a growth mindset for yourself um, and know that it's okay to fail, that sometimes we'll fail, but keep going. Um, deliberate practice is really important, like keep practicing. So, you know, talent without practice is like wasted talent. So practice is really important as well. And um and that, that, that'll make us more resilient, right? And um, so he does talk about do your best to take action for yourself in your life, and that will make you more resilient. Okay, so generosity. Humans are naturally altruistic. So the more generosity we give to others, the more we're going to receive as well. So we naturally feel good when we're giving. And one thing that's scientifically shown that makes us more resilient is when we feel like we're helping others. And so reaching out and, and remember, generosity doesn't just mean money. It means spending time with people. It means giving forgiveness. It means disentangling yourself from resentment. It's about, you know, letting go of ill will. It's about letting grudges go. 
generosity can show up in very different ways. It makes us feel better, right? So giving yourself compassion and full generosity um, is also really key. It brings positive emotions and makes us feel safe, secure, and satisfied. So growing our inner strength, um, such as courage, generosity, and aspirations that we just talked about will make us more resilient. So these days, the world can be overwhelming. There's going to be challenging challenges at time. So it's vital to grow our strength inside, leveraging our resource of resilience. So in this book, Resilient by Rick Hansen, he really gives us the clear and practical steps to build the resource of resilience. He definitely shows us how to meet those basic needs of safety, satisfaction, and connections. And he teaches us that resilience is a resource that we can grow, we can get better at, we can cultivate and make stronger. We can build our resilience so that we can meet the needs needs um, by building that resourcefulness. And remember, those are compassion, mindfulness, learning, uh, grit, gratitude, confidence, calm, motivation, intimacy, courage, and generosity. I know I missed a couple, but <laughs> those are all wonderful resources we can draw on to really build our res resilience. So I'm curious, what are you going to do to build your resource of resilience, right? I'm also curious, what makes you feel safe? What makes you feel satisfied? What makes you feel connected? Thinking of some of his suggestions within his book, of course. Also, what resonated with you the most? What key learning do you want to remember? Do you want to take away from this? Anyway, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed this. Such a wonderful book. Yay, resilient. Seeing you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want additional support, you can head on over to my website at andreasidel.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone going through this struggle so that we can all work together to take back our lives and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes every single week so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.